0: Welcome to Bat Therapy, exploring your favorite comic book characters through the lens of clinical psychology. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Okay, so today we are talking about The Killing Joke. Oof,
1: yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a a wonderful graphic novel by Alan Moore and Brian Bolland. Is it Bolland? i should oh i don't know how to pronounce it i should have looked that up i apologize in advance for getting your name wrong sir y'all did an excellent job with this graphic novel
0: yes so we we definitely wanted people to just be aware those of you that have read this this is no surprise, but if you're listening and you have not read The Killing Joke, just be aware that there are depictions of physical and sexual violence in, in this graphic novel, and we just recognize that for certain people, they would rather choose to kind of set something like that aside and maybe um, not not listen to this episode, so we just wanted people to be aware because, yeah, whew, this is this is an intense one, but it's a very, very well done graphic novel so we wanted to make sure to hit on it
1: yeah it's yeah it's it's brutal there's some there's some brutal things that happen in it it is like i said it's very well written and it tells a very very good story but yes it's pretty heavy it hits pretty heavy and it does a lot of different things that i i've i've never seen batman or the, the Joker do because at one point you see Joker get get really serious and then at another point you see Batman pleading which is something mm-hmm. that is very, very unusual and it, that's how the comic opens. It's something I'd never seen before in a comic. Batman's just walking through to the interrogation room where the Joker's being held and he's pleading with Joker like, yeah. listen, can we stop this because we Both know that eventually the battles that we're having is going to end up with either one of us or both of us dead. We're going to have to stop this.
0: It is interesting because usually Batman doesn't mind putting his life on the line. He, he jumps in to, to a point where you're like, is it healthy, right? Like, <laughs> uh, he, he tends to be someone who who jumps in and says, okay, whatever the price is, the price is. But yeah, in this storyline, they approach it a little differently. And he actually pauses and says, hey, let's try something different. The normal vengeance fighting with the Joker, this isn't working. And, and we know this is leading in a very, very dark way. And similarly, the Joker, like you were saying, is is very different in the storyline as well. I mean, you get some backstory in a way that you usually don't get for the for the Joker. And I mean, he's he's all about talking about chaos, but I actually find him less chaotic than usual. A clearer plot. He, He has this cause and effect he's trying to create that is more linear than usual, at least from my perspective in looking at his character.
1: I completely agree. It's not the maniacal, I don't have a plan of any kind Joker. He's very articulate. And what's funny is even when they give the Joker backstory, there's that line he says at one point in the comic. And he says, sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a pass, I prefer it to be multiple choice.
0: And you're (laughs) like, damn it, Joker, you did it again. Right. (laughs) right
1: and so it but it it kind of leaves it up to the audience whether that story for this was true it's
0: a great point yeah
1: because is it just a flashback or is it him telling a story
0: yeah and the Joker is very interesting in this story I'd actually forgotten because it's so intense of a storyline I actually don't read it that often it's one of those and I'm like oh yeah it's there the illustrations by the way y'all very well done, yes. uh, as well as, you know, in addition to the storyline, um, or the words written. Um, I don't come to it very often just because of that. And I was going through and I was like, man, there's so much in here in terms of psychology. It was very interesting. I mean, the, the, the Joker is just throwing stuff out left and right that is so interesting yes. to delve into. Because yes, even, even in this linear story even in this cause and effect he's trying to have there are those question marks and the uncertainties and even though he's selling a message actually in a way that i think a lot of people would buy it it doesn't work out the way he planned it
1: no it it doesn't it doesn't and there's a lot of there's a lot of victims in this and you i've i've never once really felt bad for the joker Like, I'm I'm sitting here thinking back on all of the different stories that we've had, Mm -hmm. whether it's the Batman the Animated Series or anything in, like, movies-wise, whether it was Jack Nicholson's Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. I've never once been in a place where I said, man, I really feel bad Mm -hmm. for that
0: character. You know... The jo- Joaquin Phoenix version, comes okay, I take fair- that. Back. Actually, you know, it it seems they they took some semblances from this that that kind of humanizing of the character. But I I totally agree with you that it seems like all of the portrayals of Joker aside from these two, and I'm I'm sure there are others out there, and you guys can share them with us, please do. Uh, but most of them, yeah, don't don't take that human approach, and I and I agree it even though he he lends this question mark to his past you you see this person who is wanting to be successful it has a family about to come to fruition and literally everything falls apart on him yes and and through this storyline for those of you who aren't as familiar or if you're rusty on it the joker ends up do essentially pushing past it, um his normal violence and making it a lot more personal. Like a lot of times he does a lot of murder and mayhem, but this time it's very personal and focused on Commissioner Gordon. It is. And it's all trying to show that anyone with a bad enough day will end up Embracing chaos and becoming the Joker. So he's essentially trying to play out what he sees as his own kind of past and history playing out in someone else to show, see, look, it's all about embracing chaos. Everyone's capable of this.
1: Yeah, and and at one point Joker's even even talking to Batman like I under like you you've been through something too. Oh, yeah. I I know it. I I know I can tell you've been through something. and I don't know what it is. Maybe your family got killed by the mob or something, but we're on the same level and you're just a little bit behind me and let's see if we can get you there. The amazing thing about it is that it's Gordon that somehow beyond all of this that he goes through is the one that doesn't break. And he's he tells Batman, yeah. we need to bring him in and we need to do it the right way. Which is is funny when you think about the right way in, in Gotham. is just send Batman after them to beat him to a pulp and then bring <laughs> them in uh, straight to the infirmary. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like we need but to do I, this the right I think that right was him
0: way. saying, "Use use your your delicate touch. Right, beat him up only a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know that. You're so right. That is so very telling. And and you see. Many terrible things happen to Gordon. And so essentially, this is the storyline where Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl, she turns into Oracle. This is where she loses the use of her legs. She becomes disabled and, and has to kind of shift how she goes about life and, you know, superheroing and all that. And it's done to torture Gordon, And there are other things done um, to both Barbara Gordon and to Commissioner Gordon really to try and traumatize him and bring him down to the point where he gives up on rationality. He gives up on valuing life and he throws it all away and not just acknowledging chaos in the world, but acknowledging chaos to the point where you're going to force everyone else to live through the same chaos you do. That's essentially what Joker's trying to get him to.
1: And so, yeah, I, I guess we haven't even talked about what actually happened. Barbara is with her dad at their, their home. And she thinks that it's her friend at the door. She answers the door. And I, this is just something that always sticks out to me because the, the Joker's wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I always recognize that. And, and they make sure to keep that relevant where wherever they reshow what happened to Barbara Gordon because he, he's wearing it in the comic. He's wearing it in the movie adaptation of this. He's also wearing it in the video game Arkham Knight. Batman has a flashback to what happened to Barbara Gordon. And oh. he's also wearing that Hawaiian shirt and so it's something in in my head it's just something that sticks out about the killing joke just him in a Hawaiian shirt and he shoots Barbara and it severs her spine and she can no longer walk and right after the doctor tells her that she also tells Batman that Joker and his goons took her dad Commissioner Gordon.
0: You know the interesting thing to me about all this is it, it's so much a story of the joker proving everyone is capable of being him and yet like you said gordon shows otherwise and it and it's it's just so interesting because there were actually things that the joker said i wouldn't i wouldn't say that they're necessarily wrong about reactions to the horrible things that life brings about yeah You know, he he talks, he actually, he talks about memories, and I found it so interesting. Um, he, He said, but can we live without memories? Memories are what our reason is based upon. If we can't face them, we deny reason itself. Although why not? We aren't contractually tied down to rationality. Madness is the emergency exit. And so what's so interesting to me about this is memories can be incredibly difficult and painful to process through and there are times where the the brain and the body it's just struggling to process and it does look for an emergency exit and from the outside it can look like madness Uh, but there's actually a psychologist uh, with her own mental health lived experience she has experiences with like hearing voices and stuff yes and she's she's known for saying voices were a sane reaction to insane circumstances.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Think about how comparable those those two quotes are. Isn't that interesting?
1: It is, because I don't and and I don't even know if we went over it, but this this Joker's backstory, he's just a lab assistant. He is going to do this job with these villains, uh, and uh, they work at Ace Chemicals, of course. He works at Ace Chemicals as a lab assistant, and he's going to let them in, and I can't even remember what the job was, but uh, right before they do the job, he finds out that his wife and child were killed. His his wife's actually pregnant. His pregnant wife. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So the child wasn't
0: even born yet, but was very close. I think just two or three months away or something like that. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. It was. And it was an electric baby bottle heater. Yeah. And And I think they even
0: said it was like a one in a million accident that happened to her.
1: Yes. And so he tries to not do it. He's like, I'm not. No, I'm not going to do this. But the criminals are basically like, no, no, no. You're going to do it mm-hmm. because
0: it was too late at that point. You're not backing too late. out on You're us now. You're not
1: backing out on us now. We don't care that your whole life ended yesterday. That's the, the grief that he's going through.
0: And the whole reason, the whole reason he's going to do this for these criminals is he had quit his job because he wanted to be a stand-up comedian. He wasn't doing that great at it for whatever reason, And he was desperate for money to get his new family out of their terrible apartment and everything run down. He wanted to care for his family. Best decision? Of course not. But he was really struggling to try and do good by his family. And it was supposed to be something seemingly harm, well, quote-unquote harmless. But he was just going to go to his old place of work, help them sneak through it to get to another facility that I don't know what they were going to do there. Something nefarious. And so in the grand scheme of criminal things, it's not, it wasn't the the biggest, you know, faux pas to make. And he was doing all of this to try and care for his family. And then literally within 24 hours, he finds out his family is dead and gone. And it, he can't even pull out of the crime. Right.
1: And so. That's terrible. And so they, they, they do the crime and they give him a special mask to become the infamous Red Hood. Mm-hmm. And things go wrong. This B&E just goes horrible. And he sees Batman and he panics. And it's not even that Batman pushed him or anything like that. He panics and gets scared and jumps Mm -hmm. into a toxic waste basin. And he comes out of the water or whatever it is. And he Mm -hmm. is the Joker.
0: Yeah, and he essentially like, oh, my skin's burning, da-da-da. He looks into the water and he just starts laughing. That that sane reaction to insane circumstances, and it is so interesting to me that he's not necessarily wrong. It's just he uses all of these understandings about what happened to him. Instead of using that to find a way forward to kind of live with the chaos of life, that not everything is rational and makes sense, instead he sidesteps his own memories his own painful memories by trying to essentially project them onto other people you're yes. going to feel my pain instead of me feeling that pain
1: right and it's correct me if i'm wrong because it almost seems like he is trying to tell people that he's normal and they're just like him yes it, it's a it's a very good point you made about the memories because the only memories he has seemingly are bad because it's every every because they don't really talk about his childhood too much and all that but everything he's doing he was doing for his family his family dies and then after that he still tries to go through with this plan and he ends up disfigured and now he is the joker so whatever there was of his normal life it's nothing but darkness
0: and the thing is, is that it's sad because he is so close, it seems like, to the answer where it's it's true. If you want to see life as completely rational and making complete sense, that actually it doesn't work. You are living in a, in a fantasy world and, and you're you're probably going to struggle because of it. If anything gets out of whack, if any slight little thing doesn't line up, you're going to really struggle because you believe it, it all should just be in place. We've got to be able to be open to the chaos of life, the unexplained, the the things that come our way. But the sad thing is, is that he's not able to take that and use it to create purpose, drive, and to, to move in. I don't want to say move forward. I, I I don't think that's the right wording for someone with that kind of loss but but be able to make a way forward that doesn't destroy things for everyone around you. He goes into destruction rather than trying to create something out of the rubble.
1: What's so interesting is I think I think back on it and it's funny because like you said he kind of has a point where anybody can have a bad a bad enough day but the difference is they don't become the joker I, I, I feel like, it's temporary and it's, it's, it's temporary and you end up calming down. Like for example, there, there was one day I had a presentation to give my jump drive broke. Ugh. Uh, it was raining outside, mud got yep. on my outfit. I get in the car, I have a flat tire, it's pouring down rain and eventually, and I get out of the car and there's no spare.
0: Hmm.
1: I had forgotten that I didn't have a spare in the car. And so at that point, I just started laughing. Because I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is the (laughs) worst day ever. And I'm just Uh in the rain and I'm laughing. And of course, when I'm rereading this, I was just like, huh. I mean, (laughs) I didn't stay laughing. It was temporary Mm -hmm. and I felt completely crazy, but it was temporary
0: Right. It was no, almost granted. like a. Oh, what were you going to say?
1: I was going to say it was. And I'm not sure if this is the correct term. And so, but because th- this is your area, it was almost like a, a bout of mania.
0: Mm. So, so not the, not the correct term. But right, yep, I, I, I get where you're going I try. with <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so mania is like a, a days long kind of different change in the brain that that you can't cleanly connect to the circumstances around you. However, okay. you're talking about to some some things that can kind of be similar, where you have this this kind of inexplicable high energy that um, doesn't necessarily relate to the things going on around you, and it and kind of it 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 can energize you in a way that isn't always helpful actually. Um, but it, I, I totally get what what you're talking about here and now granted the joker what he went through is like a, a thousand million whatever times worse. So okay yes. maybe his said right maybe it's prolonged or whatnot. But you're, you're so right. Humor is actually a really wonderful way of trying to help us manage the ridiculousness and honestly, some of the awfulness in life. You know, there's a reason that we've got like dark humor is everywhere. You know me, I'm, I'm a huge fan of dark humor. Or, or just like it's so much that it just shifts in your brain somewhere and you just can't help but laugh like, really, this is ridiculous. And that can help. It can help move us forward. But for him, yeah, it something triggers and it never ends. And the problem is, is if you never stop laughing, you never are able to come back down and see where there is a pattern, where things do make sense, where rationality does exist, right? Like he right. just ends up stuck in the laughter. And yeah, he seems really intent on... Other people being able to relate to this or or being able to say, hey, look, it's not just me. And that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure where that might be coming from.
1: Right. And so, yeah, he is on a mission. He's on a warpath where he is just, I'm going to push people to my level. Because at one point, he, he kidnaps Commissioner Gordon and he wakes up and he's like, what am I doing here? Someone, what's what's going on? Mm-hmm. And Joker's like, oh, you're here to do what any sane man does in your circumstances. You're going to go crazy or go mad. I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact word, but he's like, I'm here and I'm going to push you to going mad. And so then they, like his henchmen strip Gordon down and he's mm-hmm. naked and they put him in a cage and then they chain him to like a ride. And Oh gosh, this, this is when it gets really bad. They show him pictures of, of yeah. his daughter after she had been shot, and she also, her clothes have been removed. Which they never say what happened, but it it kind of alludes to
0: the potential for something right even worse right. than what is obviously already very very terrible right.
1: Yeah. Which which honestly kind of brings up another another thing where your your mind will paint pictures based off the clues that you're given mm-hmm. whether it is true or or not right like even though we don't absolutely know what happened you see that and immediately like when I was reading it immediately my thought was went to the worst possible Mm -hmm. thing even though it was never confirmed yeah my mind kind of did did the rest and kind of connected dots that may not have necessarily been there
0: yeah and and you know it seems like the Joker was was actually doing some of that because how things are play how, how things are drawn out in the comic suggests that the Joker was taking advantage of how our brains work, because it's not like it was blocking off parts. Of, I mean, for some of them, it might have been blocking off parts of the photo, but it was actually showing photos that the Joker had taken that alluded to what could have happened. So he's definitely playing on the darknesses of the mind. And I think it was very purposeful even in how he was showing these pictures. Sometimes it's worse to give less information because you're absolutely right. The The mind will start filling in just all of the awful things that could happen. And that's what he's going for. He's going for the mind shifting toward just seeing chaos, destruction, violence. And he thinks that this is the way to get Gordon there. And, And you know, what's interesting is is like, I mean, I've worked with, gosh, I, I can't even count how many just incredible people who have been through terrible things that I just... Uh, It's unbelievable what people can find their way through and grow, strive, thrive, become resilient, bounce back from. It's amazing. And despite all of that, when you see everything that the Joker is piling up against Gordon, you just, I don't know about you, but there's a little bit of amazement from me that Gordon is able to so quickly step back and say, Okay, we, we we gotta put this guy back behind bars, but we're not gonna let him win by me falling apart here. It's just right. incredible.
1: And immediately, that made him the hero of this whole story. Absolutely. Uh, because you know, so many times, of course, we're we're always watching what's Batman gonna do. How's he gonna <laughs> save the day? What's what's he got up his sleeve? What's his superpower? What's his plan? because that, that's his superpower he's the ultra ultimate planner but in in this book the moment that Joker did all of these horrible things to Gordon and Batman finally does come and rescue him immediately Gordon's like yeah he uh, he shot my daughter yeah this is this is a bad beat this this is a really really bad day Batman you got to be extra careful. Yeah. do it by the book
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: that is an insane amount of resilience that honestly i don't i don't know how that's possible you know i know i know mm. it's not real this is still a graphic novel but that is a At superpower same... level yes of resilience
0: and 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 I, I think I see what you're saying in that there's amazement when you see that, but it's not disbelief. Like when you're reading it, it's not that you don't believe this is possible of Gordon. You're just amazed at his ability. And, I, and I'm realizing over here, you're so right. It's, it's the killing joke. Obviously it's about the Joker. Uh, but you think about Batman being the hero in, in all this. And actually Batman's role is kind of ambiguous. Like the end yeah. of the storyline is not my favorite. Cause it's just kind of this weird, ambiguous, just like, Laughter between the Joker and Batman. And I'm like, for, for me, it was a little more ambiguous than I personally like.
1: One thing I was going to say about that, though, is I think the reason it leaves you ambiguous is because it wants, since this is kind of a one off kind of thing, it's like, did he kill the Joker? Did he do it? Did Joker yeah. actually break him? Like, that's why I thought.
0: Oh, did he break Batman? Right.
1: That's why Batman. I was wondering if they left it ambiguous because at the beginning of the book, Batman's talking about how, oh, we see what road we're headed down, we see where this is headed. Yeah. See you're What's smarter about happen. this
0: stuff than me. I didn't even think of that.
1: And so <laughs> throughout we hear the Joker and his crazed laughter, and mm-hmm. suddenly at the very end, here's Batman joining in with the laughter and then it cuts the black, yeah. right? And, and so And you're
0: so and you're so right that Gordon is is the the superhero here. Yeah. Because we see this just miraculous feat of will. And if you think about Batman's role within this, he's bumbling around. Everything's already happened by the time he gets there. He literally only finds them because the Joker's like, here's your ticket, join us. So everything's already happened. The only... So there's all this chaos, da-da-da-da, all this is happening. The only person that can do anything about it is Gordon. And... Gordon chooses, he can't, no matter what he does, it's not going to change what the Joker has done to him. And, and it's, I agree with you. It's amazing that he's, he's able to kind of do it as quickly as he does here. Cause I think for a lot of us, it would take a lot to get to this point, but all of that's already happened. And he's like, okay, right now, you know, I'm in a bad state, but let's hold it together. Let's get through this, this next bit. And you know what? If, If we let the chaos win... It just adds more chaos to the world. Right. Let's not add more chaos to what's already there. Right. I can't handle more chaos. It's probably what he's thinking. I can't handle any more chaos. This is what I have control over.
1: Yeah. And and so after, after that, Bat, yeah, Batman goes after him. And then it's like Joker kind of cracks his knuckles because it's like, all right, Batman, it's your turn. You're on deck. Uh, mm. And he starts poking. He starts poking at him. And it's it's one of those things where i have to i have to ask because one of the things i recognized here is it seems like it was easier for him to come after batman given his known trauma that he had already picked up on like he didn't know mm. for certain what happened to batman but he knew something happened to you to get yep. you to this point and that's exactly what he poked at which is one of those things where when you think about trauma and people experiencing it so many times it is viewed as as it seems like as a weakness Mm. instead of something that people overcome it seems like it's always viewed as something that people are suffering from
0: yeah it's why Language is very important and it's tricky because different people relate to different language around things. Um, so like I, I've seen a number of things from, from people who've lived through trauma who sometimes are are kind of like, you know what, uh, don't call it a strength because I I just was forced to experience this thing and lived through it, right? I have to live in spite of it. Um, other people, you know, there are terms like survivor versus victim, okay. right? Because victim is emphasizing what was done to you that you had no choice about. Surviving is showing the strength that's required after the fact, right? During and after the fact of these things. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, when it when it comes to trauma, there are many, many different reactions that can happen. But in general, a person, a person has to figure out where to go from that moment in time and your brain is going to be desperately trying to process and figure out how does this extreme event fit in with the rest of what you believe about yourself about the people around you and about the world and some some brains really struggle to process that information but no matter what I I, I totally agree with you whether 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 you're able to come out of trauma relatively unscathed or whether you struggle with it for years there's an incredible strength that a person has to have and you get such there's there's an understanding and a lot of times an empathy for the people around you that that can be formed that I just haven't seen rivaled by anyone else because sometimes you see such terrible things it also helps you appreciate such wonderful things And the problem with the Joker, he never got that second part.
1: He didn't. And he's lashing out and he's hurting everyone in this that he comes into contact with. Barbara, Jim Gordon, Batman. And what's interesting about this is Batman coming into this is seeing himself as a failure for the fact that this happened. Like, when it comes to Batman, I've always viewed Batman as the guy. Like, when we think about superheroes, we always think about, wow, they've saved so many people. I feel like Batman is one of those guys that doesn't count the number of people he saved. He is He's only counted his losses. The ones Agreed. that he did, not, he did not save. So he's going into this battle with the Joker already feeling like, he lost this.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're. I, I think you're totally right. And and this is another actually really great I- example when it comes to the brain trying to make sense of information. And and some people's some people process information in a way where they focus more on the positives, and some people focus more on the negatives. So the interesting thing, uh, because actually when uh, so when I was in grad school. I was going to do my thesis on pessimists, Um, but unfortunately someone beat me to the punch with what I was going to, what I was going to research. But I I looked at a bunch of stuff and what was really, it was really interesting because there are people who are optimistic in how they think and they, they essentially the glass half full people. I'm oversimplifying, but the glass half full full people. Then you have the glass half empty people, the pessimists. And people think or they have thought that pessimism, like being pessimistic, is a problem. So what they were trying to do is, okay, let's make pessimists more like optimists. But that didn't really work. And so it was actually more about making sure that if you're looking at glass half empty, that you're doing it in a helpful way. You're looking at it in terms of, okay, there's a loss here. There's something missing here. I'm using that to build up to filling that up. Right. I'm going to fill the cup. That's why I'm looking at it half empty. I'm figuring out how to move forward. And often Batman's able to do that. But I think you're right. The story is suggesting that in this case, he's not able to do that. And that's why he ends up with this maniacal laughter at the end.
1: Right. At the, at the very end, he's just uh, laughing maniacally. And they don't touch on it in this graphic novel. They do touch on it a little bit in the Killing Joke movie. After Barbara Gordon is shot, she has her very own own story after this because she, much like her father, is extremely resilient, and she continues doing her best as uh, the hero Oracle. Because uh, yes. if you if you don't know, Barbara Gordon was Batgirl before she was uh, shot by the Joker and paralyzed. And uh, she discontinued being Batgirl, and she became the character Oracle.
0: Which, in my humble opinion, was a much cooler character.
1: She was very cool. And a, a lot of people don't realize this. Barbara Gordon is one of the smartest people in the DC universe. She's absolutely yeah. brilliant. As far as a planner, as far as technology goes, she's just, she's absolutely brilliant and when it comes to the batman family of superheroes between her and tim drake they really carry the iq of the batman family even though all of them in their own right are absolutely brilliant she is just a level above all of the rest as far as her technical brilliance
0: i mean like when she's helping his oracle you wonder to yourself how batman ever did it before because she's so helpful when he's out doing things just being the 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 tech support and strategy helping with the strategy and and all the stuff absolutely
1: right and she helps for so many different people too she ends up helping she helps batman a lot um she shows up and helps out the Teen Titans quite a bit. She has her own team that she works with, uh, Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah. And, and so she really does feel a very huge void mm-hmm. when that happens. And it's funny because when something like that happens to you, no one's really upset if they said, okay, she's hanging up the cape. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't want to do anything else, and she just wants to have a non-superhero life after mm-hmm. this. That is completely okay. And everybody said it. Like every, I think everybody was fine with that. She was not. Yeah. She's like, no, this does not stop me. I still have so much to give despite this handicap that I was given. Yep. I still have so much to give and I want to move forward and I want to move past it and the next thing I was going to ask you because what's so different about this is a lot of the times when we talk about moving forward the word forgiveness comes up Uh, right normally uh the word forgiveness comes up and in order to move forward we have to forgive and then we move forward but in this case I don't feel like forgiveness was ever a factor for her But she still moved forward.
0: Mm. Forgiveness is a tricky thing. So I think, you know, also some people look at forgiveness. Other people might look at it as acceptance of the reality of things. um, Or... um, choose that there's a better path for them right like I, I don't know if for forgiveness as a as a word it's a it, it it just holds so much weight that might not fit for everyone but in general there's a theme you tend to see that happens when someone has healing and When I say healing, just like with a physical wound, you might still have reverberations from that. You might have a scar. You might have a limp. You might have a phantom pain. You might have a lot of stuff going on. So same thing here if we're talking about like psychological healing. Usually something that you see is oftentimes people have understandable anger. Just loads of anger sadness, um, despair, just these really intense feelings related to what happened because it's such a huge loss in a lot of different ways and that struggle to move through. And a lot of times what you see is that when someone is healing in a way where they're able to find a way to thrive again, despite the terrible things that have happened is they find a way, not necessarily to say that it was okay that something happened because, you know, these things aren't, aren't okay. We don't want them to be happening. But you tend to see this kind of acknowledgement of, you know what, it did happen. And I, I just, I can't continue to put so much hurt into this anymore. I need to be putting that back into myself. And you see this thing that I think sometimes comes out as forgiveness, other times it's it's just kind of this this shift of momentum where uh, a, a person just allows the weight to hit them a little bit differently, where they say, you know what, it's now a part of my past. Do I always love it? No, but I need to allow it to be a part of my past so that I have a better future.
1: That's a very good point. Good point. And I also it it does seem like when whenever we talk about people going through traumatic events, it's viewed as did they get past it or did did they not? When in reality, it's way more complicated than that, mm. and there are good days and there are bad yes. days, right? Like I'm sure that, and and I'm sure there were comic book issues, and I can't I can't cite them in this, but I do recall them, where Barbara does have a bad day,
0: as she should, right? Because absolutely, I I love how you put that. We, we think of things as too linear. And once again, here is the Joker freaking having an excellent point. Oh, if only he could bridge that gap for himself. But he's all about, you know, stop making things so rational and so kind of A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I think this is a, a great point to that where you're absolutely right. We try and make these things like so linear and it's we move past it and this, that and the other. You know what? Even like, in physics and in all these other things, we're learning that, that time and and just everything's not as simple as our, our minds have to make it for us to comprehend what's right in front of us. Uh, so I, I love what you said about, yeah, she's going to have bad days again and she's going to have good days again. And it's not always going to make complete sense. And if you can find a way to be okay with that, you can actually make the most of it.
1: And... The closeout of this graphic novel was just really, really powerful because Batman does eventually catch up with the Joker Mm -hmm. and the Joker's poking at him and Batman's just like, nope, not hearing it, not having it. And the Joker's like, all right, fine, go ahead. Beat me up. You got me. I don't have any bullets. Just go ahead. Do your thing. And Batman legitimately and dishonestly surprised me. He just says, no. And this is a quote. It says, no, not this time. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want either of us to end up killing the other. But we're running out of alternatives. Perhaps it all hinges on tonight. I don't know what it was that bent your life out of shape. But maybe I've been there, too. Maybe we could work together.
0: Oh, he approaches him peer to peer. I love it.
1: Right. I could rehabilitate you. You don't need to be alone. We don't have to kill each other. Let me help you. And he holds out his hand. And, and the most crazy thing, because the Joker, for once, sounds completely normal. Because he says, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. It's far too late for that. And he turns away and immediately he goes into a joke. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, all right, I turned it off for that one sentence. And now back to me being me. And he tells the joke and it, it almost just leaves Batman awestruck. Yeah. And then he starts laughing too. And then he grabs him and it cuts the black. And, and that's the end of yeah. the, the story you're left. Like what happened? Did he, did he succeed in driving Batman mad when in the beginning, it was all about uh Gordon and Barbara, mm. But in the end, it was him trying to push Batman over the edge. And gosh, it almost seems like he succeeded.
0: You know what's sad? Is that, to me, this seemed like a story of the Joker not wanting to be so alone. Look, everyone's like me. There's this connection he's trying to make to literally everyone in the world around him. Yeah. And it fails miserably and and almost impossibly so it's like oh my god look, look what gordon was able to do and and the sad thing is is that this is how he he tries to make the connection and yet here is batman trying to approach him human to human say let's connect i might even be able to relate to what you've been through we've both been through some stuff let me help you and he says no, I can't do it. And then he goes back to that shallow connection of jokes and laughter.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because when when you really think about it, it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin because on one side you've got Batman who who also has this persona that he doesn't drop because he mm. can't let his emotion be seen and he can't show his weakness hmm Right?
0: He tried here, though.
1: Right. He legitimately yeah. gave it, he, he, yeah, he gave it an honest try. He did. He's like, hey, no fists. Let's try, <laughs> let's try talking this out. And Joker just laughed in his face, right? Mm-hmm. It was just like, come on. This isn't what, this isn't what we do.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Because, you know, you were saying maybe this is that, Finally, he gets Batman to go over the edge. There's this thing, um, I think it's a poem, and oh, I'm not going to credit whoever wrote it. But so, so peer specialists are people who have their own mental health experience, and their role is approaching peer-to-peer mentorship. So sometimes it's really helpful to get these skills and things that we know can help through therapy. Sometimes it's helpful to get medications through, say, psychiatry. Um, but sometimes we need someone who's been there who can relate. And it sounds like the Joker is desperately wanting to show that everyone, look, everyone can actually relate to me. They just don't know it. Right. And, and so there's this, um, there there's this depiction that I think is really nice where someone's describing, you know, what is it to be a peer? And let's say someone's stuck in a hole and they're describing what all these different disciplines, like what a chaplain would do, what a therapist would do, what what a psychiatrist would do, et cetera, et cetera. And then they describe the peer. Everyone else is like up at the top of the hole, like reaching down or talking to the person and the person's still in the hole. The peer gets in the hole and says, here, let me show you what I used when I was in a hole to get out. And it, so may- maybe he's finally gotten Batman here. Or or maybe Batman's trying to climb a little bit in the hole. Not too far, but climb a little bit in the hole. So, you know, hey, maybe at some point in the future, I can show the Joker the way to climb out. I don't know.
1: Is it kind of like the, the difference between sympathy and empathy? Is it kind of like that where one yeah. is... I feel bad for you. And the other one is like, I legitimately know how you feel.
0: Yes. You know, there, there really is something to be said for, like sometimes people are very sensitive to, if you say, I understand. Right. Now there, that's a colloquialism, right? right. But if, if a, if a professional, especially related to something you're suffering with says I understand, sometimes it can sound as if that person is saying, I know what it's like to be in your shoes right. and most, and a, well, Sometimes they have, but you might not know. But a lot of times they haven't been in your shoes. And so you're absolutely right that that sometimes it's helpful to get help from someone who may or may not have been in our shoes. And sometimes it's helpful if they haven't been, right? Be, uh, it, it can be helpful because they they can kind of take a step back in a different way. But absolutely, sometimes we need to talk to someone who we know have been there. They've walked a mile in our shoes. When they say they understand, they understand because you you can really connect and relate to people and and part of why i went into psychology is i tend to be good at being able to relate to people despite you know there being so many different experiences of course i i can't have experience with all of them but there's something very powerful with yeah what what batman's trying to do here which is hey i i might have walked a mile in some similar shoes and when he approached that way it didn't work who knows? Maybe, maybe joining in on the joke. You know, it, it seemed like the, the the joke at the end, if anything, seems like the most harmless thing that happens in this whole storyline. That's true. So my, my optimistic side, the, the, the pessimist who sees the half empty glass hoping to fill it, I think, um, is hoping that this is maybe Batman climbing into that hole, trying to help the Joker climb back out. Maybe. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You know me, I'm a softie. <laughs> so should I bring up our mindful nerd moment for the day? I think so. All right. So there was ooh, a lot of heavy stuff in this.
1: It was, it was. In this
0: story. Um, and I think because of that, I I was less compelled to come up with a, a mindful nerd moment that directly related to the material going on within it so I was like I need to step back a little bit and so when we when things are intense and we need to step back a little bit it can be really nice to fall back on the basics Um, so breathing in particular can be really nice for breathing anyway and if we can make just subtle adjustments with our breath to make it steadier, deeper, more full, then it can just kind of help bring the, the levels of everything down, right? So let's say you're reading this or you're experiencing some sort of terrible thing. Finding a way to take a few breaths to help you get through it can be nice. So I figured we would do box breathing. And um, I think I saw Keaton... So we can see each other through video. I recognize you guys are just listening. But I think, Keaton, you have your comic book with you. You're yes. the killing joke. I do. Um, so uh, if you can look at that, and for people listening, you if you have one, go for it. But essentially, we're looking for like a rectangle or a square of some sort. And conveniently, these shapes are everywhere. So I was like, hey, a comic book. That's... That's that's the box shape. And so essentially you you look for four sides so that you can practice using with like a visual in front of you breathing. Because sometimes it helps to just have something that that helps you kind of track your pace so that you make sure that your your breathing is regular and, and steady and full. So what we're gonna do is um, you're going to follow the edges of the book and essentially you're going to go up one side of the book and breathe in. You're going to hold as your eyes move across the top. You're going to exhale or breathe out when you move down the other side of the comic. And then you're going to hold again when you move across the bottom. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes. Okay. started. So it, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, With anything like this, for some people, sometimes when they're adjusting their breath, they can feel lightheaded or dizzy at times or just feel weird. And if so, just take a break, breathe, whatever normal is for you. And you can always come back to it later. Um, For some people, this is supernatural. And (laughs) sorry, that made me start thinking of the show supernatural. This is super space natural. And for other people, it's more of an adjustment. So yeah, if you feel lightheaded at any point, just stop. But we'll go through it a few times. So um, once again, we're going to be following the edges of the book. So going from the bottom up one of the edges of the book, inhale. Then hold your breath as you look across the top. And then exhale as you move down the other edge of the book. And then hold your breath as you move across the bottom. Inhale up, hold across the top, exhale down the side and then hold your breath across the bottom. And one more time, inhale up the side, hold across the top, exhale down the other side, hold across the bottom. So that is box breathing. It's super, super quick and easy, but I find it really nice and effective. What did you think though?
1: Uh, That one, it it might be my new favorite. I really, Yeah. yeah, I really like it because with, with mindfulness, a lot of the times I tend to get very, very distracted.
0: Ah, mm -hmm.
1: especially when it's something I'm supposed to be like trying to imagine. Yep. I tend to get very distracted, but with this, it's simply, it's almost like you're whatever the square is that you're holding or the rectangle, you're looking at the instructions and you're just kind of following a path and it's literally what you are doing. And so it, that was more simple. I think that was more simple than
0: some of the others yeah.
1: sp- specifically for me.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. This this tends to be true for a lot of people. And the really nice thing about this one too is the instructions are super short, sweet to the point, right? So you, you don't even have to be like listening because listening to someone lead you through something is actually pulling your focus from actually doing the thing. It's it's kind of the ironic piece about some of this, right? Is That's you want to be fully focused and then you're also having to pay attention to someone. But this is so simple You can kind of zone me out if you want to because, all right, I'm moving up, across, down, over. And so you're totally right. I find this, if you're someone who's more easily distracted, if you're super tired, if you're hungry, if you are anxious or stressed. um, I mean, the list can go, even if you're excited, right? You're jazzed, but you got a lot of energy. There are a lot of reasons that it might be hard to focus and so having some sort of visual that can help you stick with whatever you're doing can be really useful. Sometimes when I, uh, when I do some sort of visual with people, I'll also include when I can like a video or a picture or encourage people to find a video or a picture they really like if they, if they want to be able to track something that kind of helps lead them through because of what you're talking about. And, and yeah, this one's super quick and easy. Like uh, I went to the doctor once and they were like, okay, now to do this thing that, you know, is going to hurt. And I was like, oh, okay. There's a door in here. Breathe in up, hold the breath across, breathe out down the side. Right. And I looking up and around helped me pace my breath better than just trying to focus on my breath by itself.
1: Okay. I need to do that because I, I hate when they prick my finger. Oh, at, it's
0: the worst. Why is that worse doctor? than a shot? It's
1: worse. It's the worst thing. It's the, the worst thing at the doctor for me. Oh. And and so, yeah, I'm definitely going to be staring at the door the next time. I yes. unfortunately have to get that done.
0: Yep. Or bring your comic book with you. <laughs> right. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. You can find me at Crafting the Mind on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: And I'm comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. You can find me and my friends' movie reviews and reaction videos at TeamJVS.com or on YouTube at TeamJVS.
0: For more information on this and other topics, check out our website at bat-therapy.com. To keep current on episodes and other updates, Subscribe to our Bat Therapy YouTube channel or follow us on social media. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.